This time on episode 423 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 5, Asylum. Weekly Marvel Studio news, including Kevin Feige and Marvel Studio executives having mapped out the next 10 years of MCU content. Aliqua Cox confirms Echo is now filming. And Disney Plus releasing a new Daredevil featurette with Charlie Cox. And your feedback regarding Moon Knight Comics and Tim Curry. I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. Now it's time for a scheduled briefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. I'm consultant Anthony. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, April 28th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast duot-wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Hey, gang. Happy National Superhero Day. They're important enough to get their own day. Yeah, apparently. And I think we've done this before. By the way, this day was started by Marvel Comics in 1995, the employees of Marvel Comics. So how fitting. We're podcasting on a Marvel show about Marvel Comics on National Superhero Day, started by employees of Marvel Comics. That probably didn't see a dime of extra money for creating and promoting the holiday. Probably not. I have some legal thoughts along those lines later after the show. Well, we should talk about that because I probably need some clarification from you on original artists compensation, but we'll talk about that. That might be in the bonus audio after the show. Anyway, happy national superhero day. Michelle, you are our superhero. How are you feeling on your day? Okay. Why would I be your superhero? Because you make this podcast possible. Without you, this podcast would have folded years ago. I will, I will take your word for it. Thank you. Okay. By the way, we do this podcast because we love talking about Marvel. Because I don't have a card for that. If you'd like to talk to us about cards and not having them, maybe go see if you left them on our website, legendsofshield.com. If you get your cards mixed up and you don't know what to say next, you can leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. It's 844-843-2871. If you think you can have all your cards in the right order, maybe set up a Twitter thread and be sure to tag us at Legends of Shield. You can see us on YouTube, youtube.com slash gunnageek. If you're going to keep taking the missing card joke way too far, one place that would be welcome to have it is our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Well, you heard him before. We were talking about the legalities of National Superhero Day. 
Anthony from Capes on the Couch has reprised his guesting on our podcast on a much needed week again. Anthony, thank you for joining us. It's uh, always a pleasure to be here. And uh, for the first time since we recorded the show, I'm wearing one of my Moon Knight shirts. Nice. It might have something to do with your new surroundings. It might. It might. I am in a new basement studio, basement office that is still somewhat under construction, but uh, hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks, it'll tighten everything up and I'll get my sound treatment on and all that good stuff. So it won't sound quite so reverbery. Did you move to the basement to get closer to the Sands of Duat? No, I did not. I moved down here so my daughter could have a place to sleep when she enters the world in a couple of weeks. Yay! So exciting. Yes, although I think the uh, the terror on my face is going to match that of Stephen <laughs> at the end of the episode. I don't worry about it. Kids turn out no matter what you do. Don't worry about it. Well, since we've taken this bit as far as we can, we have a excellent episode to talk about, about Moon Knight. So you guys want to talk about it tonight? Sure. I guess. It might be a good idea. That is what the people are here for. All right, let's get to it. Moon Knight Episode 5, Asylum, premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. The IMDb description reads, Mark and Steven search through their memories to find their truth or become left behind. Chris, who directed the episode? This episode was directed by Mohamed Diab, who has four directing credits going all the way back to 2010, six episodes of Moon Knight, and he also wrote The Island and The Island 2. I need to change that. It's not all six episodes of Moon Knight. I believe it's four of the episodes of Moon Knight because two of them were directed by others. So my bad on that. I didn't correct the show notes. This episode was directed by Mohamed Diab, who directed somewhere between zero and six episodes of Moon Knight. There you go. Michelle, we know who wrote the episode, I hope. We have two writers. First, we have Rebecca Kirsch, who has seven writing credits starting in 2014, including 21 episodes of Leverage, two of 12 Monkeys, Four Dominion, and co-executive producer of six episodes of Moon Knight. The other writer is Matthew Orton, has two writing credits since 2018. Operation Final, 2018 with Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley, and two episodes of Moon Knight. And Jeremy Slater is the showrunner of Moon Knight. He is. You know, something I've noticed, I don't think we talked about it before, but writers often get uh, executive producer credits, especially if they've been in the writer's room all season, what is now known as the writer room anyway. And they're there to help doctor scripts and, and make sure that they help create the storyline and stuff like that. So to actually write an episode is one thing. And then oftentimes what happens, it'll go through a writer and then it will get a second or third pass by maybe another writer or a director or something like that. And then the final pass for any script is often the showrunner. So Jeremy Slater has been looked at all of the scripts before shooting starts on them and then it's in the hands of the director and then it's in the hands of the post production editing team but the original script is often read often written by one or two people and that's what we had in this case 
We've been talking about the Moon Knight main cast as we go along. This week, we added a few actors. I don't know if they'll translate into the finale next week or not. But the first one that we'll talk about is the voice behind Tarawit. And that was done by Antonio Salib. I looked in IMDb. This is her only credit. And being her only credit, I think she did an amazing job. And uh, as I was telling the gang before we went online here, I think she did great wearing the suit this episode. Yeah, it was interesting to see that the ears wiggle. I was impressed by that. Yeah. A little bit of animatronics going on there. I don't even want to think about how long she had to sit in the makeup chair for that one, though. Hours. Hours. She also had to put really high extensions in her shoes. Tom Cruise style. We're just kidding. I believe the character was entirely CGI, but I don't know about that. Michelle, who played Wendy? Wendy was played by Fernanda Andrade, who has 41 acting credits since 2000, including Fallen in 2006 movie, two episodes of Sons of Anarchy, the film The Devil Inside, which was 2012, one episode of From Dust Till Dawn, the series, and 10 episodes of Next. This I will say about Wendy, that is a very difficult part to play because you're probably somebody that doesn't relate to how Wendy is acting post an event that we'll talk about. And I think Fernanda did an amazing job with trying to bring that forward. And that would be difficult for me to have to play a character like this. And I I would think it would be difficult for most people. So I just want to give a tip of the hat to Wendy for this. I don't know how you guys felt about the character or the acting behind the character or not, but I think it was difficult, but I think she pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and we'll get into exactly what it was that she had to act about. But to play that requires mining emotions that are not often utilized in that manner in acting. And so to pull that off and, as you said, be believable in it really took a lot out of her, I'm sure. Indeed. Well, We're going to move on now to the next phase of the podcast, which is an exclusive to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. There is an exclusive synopsis for every episode and movie that we review, which is just about every week. And this week is no exception. So you guys ready for this exclusive Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. synopsis? Yes. Mm -hmm. Here we go. After only the second time this season playing the traditional Marvel Studios pre-roll music, and yes, I did go back and listen to each episode of the five, there's only two, episode two and five, Mark wakes up in Dr. Harrow's office in the Putman Medical Facility, only to find out later with Steven from the hippo in their head that they are in fact quite dead. Don't worry, there's a card for this somewhere. The talking hippo is actually the Egyptian god Tarawet, and Mark and Stephen find themselves in the realm of the Duat in the afterlife, where they have just imagined the psychiatric hospital as it was more easily recognizable for them to comprehend. But we're just going to roll with that, though. The pair find themselves sailing to Aru among the sands of the underworld headed to the field of reeds while their hearts are measured for balance. While plan B is to kill the hippo, and steal the boat to become afterlife pirates. With no card to tell the talking hippo what to do, Mark and Steven venture back into their memories to show each other the truth and balance their scales before the end of the journey 
to prevent their souls from being destroyed and the series ending prematurely despite what Kevin Feige had planned on. Their shared trip into the dusty memories takes the viewer into a mysterious dark path that ends in child Mark taking his younger brother Roro into a dangerous cave filming with stormwater where Roro sadly doesn't make it out. Mark's mother, Wendy, wants her Roro back and blames Stephen for the event, not sharing any joy with Mark, forcing Mark to leave the home. Here, the viewer is exposed to Mark's memory of when he tried to save Layla's father, a mere mention of Bushman, and Mark's ultimate origin story of Moon Knight and the deal with Khonshu. Meanwhile, outside in the Duat, unbalanced souls are tumbling to their untimely ends in a scene visually like the epic Loki Lamentus scene and with all of the equivalent horror. Mark and Steven rush back inside the boat to balance their scales so they can return to the living, where Mark finally reveals his true secrets of an abusive mother, Steven's origins, and Wendy's death two months ago, which caused Mark and Steven to phase into each other. With the gates nearing and the scale still unbalanced, a brief zombie fight ensues, resulting in Stephen falling to his end and Mark making it to the Field of Reeds. Cue the music. All right, Michelle, what are your first thoughts of this episode? And the Emmy goes to Oscar Isaac. No matter how we feel about this episode, and we all have feelings, he definitely deserves praise for his acting. Do you remember a while ago when I said this show was probably going to be better when you could binge the whole thing? I think I was right. This finally makes episodes one through four make a lot more sense, and it is very interesting to see what is essentially a bottle episode in the MCU. I'm just glad I could mostly see the entire episode this time. Mostly. There was a few scenes where I had difficulty, but most, for the most part, I completely saw everything. Yeah. That's great. All right, Anthony, I'm sure you have tons to talk about this episode. We all surmised you must. So please take the floor. Where do you want to take us? Well, for starters, I will say that it's interesting to see the origins of Stephen and Moon Knight in the same episode. For Moon Knight, it was not too functionally dissimilar from his origin in the comics. We get the reference to Bushman. We get the reference to a killing outside of the tomb. We understand that Layla's father died in the attack. Layla, as I had said previously, is essentially serving the function of Marlene Alrain in this version of the tale. The interesting thing for me is that in the comics, Mark is dead, whereas in the show, he is basically about to commit suicide, and Khonshu gives him the choice. Versus in the comics, it's much less clear as to how much of a choice Mark had, but he was already dead either way. So that was kind of interesting to see, as well as the creation of Steven and all of the fallout that that creates. We finished watching this, and I'm just sitting there, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, this, oh And I'm hating myself because I feel like the clues were sitting there in front of us the entire time, and we missed it. We had timing clues. We had 
things that could have been references to a field of reeds. So many things that we are, I'm going to have like an Arrested Development style good time going back and rewatching this and finding everything I missed the first time. This is definitely not the Lemire run because I, at the beginning, was like, okay, he's dead, figured that. And then we had the deal about the hearts being balanced, and there's two. And I immediately wrote in my notes, okay, Anthony, Anthony reminded us of Jake. So we're going to get Jake because we need the third heart, right? We need the third heart. To make it balance and we'll meet Jake. And then the memories started happening. And then there was no, 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 no Jake now. No, no, no Jake. And this is, oh boy. Here's the thing. I've been reading some articles where the creators are like, you know, these next two ones are going to blow your mind. And they're so this and that. This reminds me again of Mass Effect 3, what there was the hype. Sometimes creators, when you hype your own things, you need to make sure that you're doing it right because I really wasn't blown away maybe in the way you thought. My next comparison is like with WandaVision. In WandaVision, when we watched it, we had clues, you know, we had devil clues. And then when the twins came, we kind of thought with Mephisto and with the purple energy, we thought dark dimension. And while some of these things didn't happen, we still got Wanda being Scarlet Witch all the time. We saw that. We saw Wanda. We saw Scarlet Witch. We saw that all the time. Now we have Moon Knight, where I think we maybe have gotten 30 minutes of actual Moon Knight action in here. Maybe 45, if I'm being generous. We've had Jake teased. And then... This episode, Stephen dies, and then it's balanced, meaning there's one heart, but then there's no Jake. And I'm going to say right now, the WandaVision expectations, okay, it didn't happen, but you know what? We still got a great television show. We really had no, the whole like uproar. There was no metaphor and everything. That was uncalled for, not needed. But Moon Knight fans, if you are upset by the fact that one, we really haven't seen Moon Knight. And two, you were upset that Jake has been teased and did not show up in this episode. I completely understand because I am still trying to figure out how this is a Moon Knight show and not the Mark show because we really haven't gotten a lot of Moon Knight in this. You are 100% correct in that. As I had said, I think it was in the first episode, it's very clear that they had a story that they wanted to tell, and they're using Moon Knight as the vehicle to do it. I will say that as it has progressed, it has gotten closer to a version of Moon Knight that I recognize, particularly from the Lemire run. And I know, Michelle, you just got done saying that this isn't the Lemire run. It's definitely not, but there's enough from there that I can see where they drew it from what i will say is that i'm just and i know this is also one of sp's points so i'm not going to try and step on his toes too much but there's a lot that is still to be determined and there's one episode left there is because we ended on this big 
crescendo. We don't know what's happening up in the real world, right? And you've got Mark in this field of dreams. You got Steven that's been frozen in the sands of Duat. And then you haven't met Jake, and there have been hints along the way that there's definitely a third individual in the whole thing. So we still have to meet Jake. We have to be introduced to Jake. Maybe it's a coda at the end of the whole thing. I don't know. I think that would be kind of a cheap way to do it. But there's so much that needs to be like, how are you going to defeat Taharo? Is there going to be a defeat of Conchu along the way? Because we see what an he is, right? He is completely playing Mark. Steven calls it out like, hey, look, no, he's manipulating you, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's a lot to go on here. I want to cycle back a little bit. Both Anthony and Chris, you mentioned this, so I I just want to footstop it. Remember back in episode one where I said, okay, what in this episode is going to come back? And I said the finale, but we've gotten a lot of callbacks both in episode four and episode five to what was projected to us in episode one. And what else from episode one is going to come back? I mean, Crawley, we've just seen him a couple of times. I think Crawley's going to make another appearance. I would surmise. Is Donna going to come back? Are we going to go back to the museum? Or is he going to go back and see his father? Is Mark or Steven or, or Jake or whoever going to go back to see his father? I don't know. There's just so much that's got to be bottled into a 50 minute episode that we'll see how they pull it off. I think. Now I could say, hey, look, like Chris was mentioning, the bingeability of this series makes total sense to me now. We surmised it might be. Episode four was just not a, if you're watching it week to week, in my opinion, Chris and I differ on this, but in my opinion, that was just terrible to end it on the way they did. I think they could have taken most of the Harrow stuff out of the end of the last episode, Dr. Harrow, and you could have gotten a little bit more of Tarwit at the end, other than what the heck is this sort of thing, and you could have had her say look you're in the afterlife or whatever and then you'll be oh what does this mean where are we going from here i think that could have been done a little differently but if you're binging it it doesn't matter because you're automatically going into the next episode and you get all that i will say they just announced somebody just posted along those lines the last episode is going to be 42 minutes which is the shortest episode length of the series so far so here we are saying how are they going to wrap all this up in an episode and we know that finales at least in the mcu tend to be longer episodes they tend to be a little extra because you have to finish so much cram so much in this is going to be the shortest episode so this is going to be chock full of stuff and i would venture to guess that episode six is going to open with whatever layla was up to during all this which means now from a chronological standpoint you actually have to go backwards in order to advance because we're going to see layla I would wager we're going to see Layla find the Ushabti room, the little Funko Pop display of all the imprisoned Egyptian gods. She's going to bust them all open because we also see, towards the end of the episode, all of the unbalanced souls falling into the Duat, which means Amit is released and has begun judging folks So to me, that's going to require a clarion call to all of the remaining gods to bind together and defeat Amit. And Layla is going to play a huge role in that. We're going to see all the Ushabdis broken. We're going to meet the gods that have been imprisoned. And I wager that they're probably going to be pretty pissed off at how things have gone down. And then we still have to see Khonshu 
return, somehow give his powers back to Moon Knight Mark, resurrect him yet again. And this is going to, I hope it doesn't devolve into a big fight in front of a giant shooting sky beam, as is so often the case with a lot of these big budget blockbuster type things. But I mean, we're going to, we'll see what happens. It's going to be a hell of a 42 minute ride. I can say that. I think this is going to be intended to roll right into something else. Whether that be a season two that we haven't been told about yet, maybe another property that will somehow connect. Who knows? I mean, Doctor Strange 2 could be a completely different thing from everything we've been led to believe. Wow, that's a lot to shove into 42 minutes. It is. And that's why I put the point in there is like, I don't see how we get from here to there in 40, 50 minutes. The leading into something else is interesting, especially with Doctor Strange coming out. We haven't talked about that much in the last few weeks, but as soon as this ends, Doctor Strange opens the next day. So this will stream on Wednesday. Doctor Strange comes up. In the past, we haven't seen tight overlap with the two that close. I mean, I think the closest we got was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. back with the Captain America Winter Soldier. And even that, I think, was offset by two weeks because they took a week off sort of thing. So I think it's just too close to be a direct correlation to something like Doctor Strange, but that doesn't mean that it won't lead into something else in the MCU. All interesting stuff. We'll see where it goes. I mean, this has been an interesting ride so far. There's a lot of questions that we all have on it. We've all been entertained, even though I was kind of irked by the way they ended episode four. I have a question on this episode for all of you, and I'm interested in all of your perspectives. Dr. Harrow, Arthur Harrow, was he real? Is that a real aspect? Was he getting into Mark's head or was that Mark's or Steven's projection of Arthur Harrow in the afterlife? I've got two schools of thought there. I'm thinking Harrow for whatever, like the gods were actually projecting him into Mark slash Steven's mind and maybe he didn't actually shoot him. I don't know. What do you all think? Anthony, I'll let you go first. What do you think? Legitimately, I don't know. And that is something that the best Moon Knight comic runs, in particular the Mirror Run, have been able to mine very well. You don't know what is real and what's just inside his head. And the way it's all shot, it really kind of leaves you guessing. And when we're in the, the psychiatric institution and Mark, and then at one point Stephen, are talking with Dr. Harrow, he's got the bloody potentially broken nose and then it cuts and he doesn't have it is that jake is that another are we playing with time is that a different situation because you know we're kind of led to believe that this is all happening concurrently that he's flashing between the psychiatric institution in his mind on the ship with towerwet and the psychiatric institution with the quote-unquote dr harrow but what if it's not simultaneously that? What if these are two different time points in his life, and due to the magic of editing, we're led to believe that this is all happening concurrently? See, the first thing I thought about when you asked that was, how was I feeling about Dr. Harrow as he was being a doctor? And 
as I'm watching the show, I still didn't like him. I mean, he was fine as a character, but as a person, I didn't like him. But as a doctor, it just carried over. And so I kind of thought about it while Anthony was talking there, and there wasn't really anything he did as a doctor to convince me that he wasn't somehow messing with the inside of Mark's head. Because I just don't think he's a good doctor, and I really wish we had Doc here to explain or at least have let me bounce off like why I think that if he was my doctor, he would not be my doctor anymore. Well, another thing that we alluded to beforehand was Wendy. And, you know, when you're delving into Mark and Steven's memories, you see this awesome performance that she turns into somebody that's blaming her son, which causes the initial break with or if you want to call it break i guess creation of steven is probably a better terminology for it and you see her be abusive or the insinuation that she's physically abusive with the belt and everything and that is brought about by the trauma of raymond or rogo dying in the cave with mark which then mark thinks he's a killer for the rest of his life because of that and he just perpetrates it going forward especially with the the sense that his what his mother did this is a way deeper i don't think little kids should watch this necessarily this is a really messed up character and situation here i wish doc was here to talk about it with anthony basically i know you guys are probably going to talk about it on your show this whole thing i know you just did a second episode on it but this is wow this is a deep thing for a series anthony yeah absolutely this is the darkest in terms of subject matter that i've seen the mcu certainly the shows get uh, maybe with the possible exception of wandavision and the notion of grief and things of that nature but at one point when she was hurling the verbal abuse at mark i don't think she had even grabbed the belt yet my wife turned to me and she goes i'm feeling sick i don't like this at all you know, we have a young son. And so to see a mother figure be so abusive to him like that as parents just turns your stomach. The death of Randall, Mark's little brother, Randall plays a antagonistic role to Mark in the comics that he's the younger brother. He's known as Shadow Knight or Hatchet Man. He's died, I believe, twice at Mark's hand and been resurrected. But in terms of Mark's parents, this is a bigger role than they've ever had in the comics. So much so that his mother in the comics is only known as Mrs. Spector. She's only in one issue. I believe it's of the Lemire run. Elias is a pacifistic rabbi in the comics who disapproves of his son's life choices, particularly going into boxing and then enlisting in the Marines and things of that nature. And so their relationship is continually strained. Then there's obviously the whole history of Mark's Jewish faith running up against his worship and uh, being the avatar for an Egyptian deity. So there's that part of it. Obviously for this show, they're not really mining that as much as they do in the comics, but it was just really interesting to see how they essentially gave the 
trauma role or the trauma creator role to his mother, which certainly makes it a lot more real in terms of, of realism and, and the trauma, but also just the, by virtue of the fact that they took this character, much like Arthur Harrow, who'd only ever appeared in one comics, they said, we're going to take this, the name for this character and put it on somebody who'd had nothing to do with the comics prior. So yeah. And to your one point SP, I don't know that Doc and I are going to do a full episode on this. Maybe we'll do a, a bonus episode, but I would be very curious to get Doc's take, particularly on the treatment, such as it is that Dr. Harrow is giving Mark and Stephen in the, in the psychiatric facility. So well, stay tuned. We'll do something like that. I'm sure. When it gets to Wendy's funeral and Mark can't even go inside and he goes out into the middle of the street drunk and he's just pounding the pavement and crying and everything. And then all of a sudden, kind of on the flip of a dime, you know, Stephen comes out and he's calling his mom and he's talking to her about being lost. He doesn't know where he is, even though he's right in front of home. Right. And it's just very, very heartbreaking to watch the whole thing. You really feel for both Mark and Steven throughout this. You know, Mark is kind of brought forth as somebody that's not very good and a killer and, and stuff like that. But you get the meaning behind it with this episode. You also get the where Steven is coming from, and you just feel for them as they're going through that, that particular moment, because there is nothing that he could do about his mother. His mother was going to treat him a certain way. And then she's gone. And there's just no way to get it back at that point. Just like with her. And I called Roro the wrong thing before, but uh, with her when she loses Roro. So yeah, just a lot of tragedy in this episode. And all the time you've got Layla with Haro. And the last time we saw them was in Alexander the Great's tomb. And you see all these bodies dropping or souls dropping to the sands, right? And it's just, uh, something's got to be done and they know that. So they're trying to get back in just a lot of story and emotion and plot going on throughout the whole thing. Yeah. I don't have kids, so I can't even pretend to imagine what Mark's mother is going through there, but just seeing, seeing the way she's treating him and blaming him just breaks my heart. Because, I mean, I hate to say this, but I mean, he, he is the one that said, let's go in the cave, stop being a baby. So she's not 100% wrong in saying it's his fault, I guess. But it's definitely not something he did on purpose. And I'd like to think if I had kids and if something like that happened, I wouldn't be sitting there blaming them for the rest of their life and taking all my anger out on them. I think that's something where you can't really know how you're going to react till you get in the situation yourself. They did give us a few moments of levity in the whole thing, and, and Tara White was one of them. And as I'm giving a presentation from time to time, and I haven't had a lot of time to prepare, maybe I'm in front of a big crowd, and you get the stage fright, no matter how many of those that you've done, or if you're teaching a class, whatever, you have cards to go through to make sure you hit all the high points and everything. And uh, talking about teaching, Michelle, you're a teacher. Have you ever been in a situation, Michelle, where, where you're teaching and if you've got cards and you're like, I know this is in, in here somewhere and you're flipping through cards and everything and they're flying everywhere. You ever do that? I've had the absent-minded professor where it's like, where's my pen? 
and I've had to have my students go, where's my pen? And I've been like, we're talking about photosynthesis and I have forgotten how to spell photosynthesis. Who knows how to spell photosynthesis? You know, I've had, I've had moments like that. So I completely understood where she was coming from. Talking about pens, I just accidentally left one in my sweatshirt from yesterday, which went through the wash. Thank goodness it was a dark load and it was a blue pen. So as far as I could tell, nothing got ruined. But yeah, I've lost a pen recently. So does that make me an absent-minded professor? Were you doing it while you were teaching? No. No, then no. Okay. No, when you do this in front of 30 teenagers, you know, there's, uh, look, everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's a tough crowd. It's like the toughest crowd is a bunch of teenagers trying to teach them biology at 730 in the morning. What do you think is the toughest out of the years? You think it's like sixth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade, something like that? Sixth graders are jarred because they've gone from, we're in a classroom all together all day with the one teacher to, wait, how many teachers do I have now? I have to remember all these things. Wait, well, I only have like an hour to do. Yeah, those, those are the ones that I find have the hardest transition when you go from like that elementary one teacher one sort of deal into like this regimented schedule and you got to stand up and change classrooms and stuff in a short amount of time okay well from a boat perspective and i've made no secret that i watch a lot of sailing youtube channels i think the boat was pretty cool although i've never had a boat that would go that fast over sand so kudos for tarawit for making that out of i don't know magic or whatever it was so kudos on that so we'll do predictions in a second, but I want to give everybody a chance to have their last words on the episode before we go into predictions. So Anthony, why don't you start out? What, what did we miss? What haven't we talked about yet? So the one thing that I noticed and I picked up on and I saw other eagle-eyed fans mention as well in various Moon Knight message boards and such is Tarot didn't say you need three hearts. She just said the hearts aren't balanced. So again, to that point of alluding towards Jake as the altar, things of that nature, was are we missing something? There's got to be something else there. I'm just not sure where they're going with it, but that was something that I picked up on. She could have just said, you need three hearts, and then it would have said, oh, the third sarcophagus, let's go open that up, and then it would have been done. But of course, this being live action storytelling nobody communicates properly and poor communication kills in some cases literally not all mental illness is triggered by trauma and not all trauma causes mental illness i really would like to move on from that trope please thank you i have no idea where this is going and i love it and i also agree with michelle can we just have some people that are have a mental illness just because they do I mean, I have no trauma, but I got the mental illness. So I guess in movie land, I don't have any mental illness. Well, in movie land, that just means that you haven't found the the person that cures you. Mm. You know, that if you fall in love, your mental illness is gone. It's like Benny and June. Um, I have. She is my wife, and that's why we're going to be getting duck tattoos, because ducks fly together. Quack, quack, baby. When you said Benny and June, I thought of Ben and Jerry's. That's also good. All right, I'll start predictions off because I have a really good one. You guys ready to hear it? Sure. I predict that the final episode of Moon Knight 
season one or this mini series or whatever we're going to call it. I predict the final episode will premiere on May 4th, 2022, which by the way is May the 4th be with you or also known as Star Wars Day. So Oscar Isaac gets to be on a premiere. For those of you that may not know, Oscar Isaac was a major character in the last Star Wars movies. Oscar Isaac gets to premiere an episode on Star Wars Day on Disney+. Plus. That's my prediction. Anthony, do you have any? I said mine. Uh, it's going to open with whatever Layla was up to, and we're going to go backwards. We're going to see Ahmed escape. We're going to see all the stuff that was happening while Steven slash Mark slash Jake are dead. Okay. Chris doesn't seem to have any because he doesn't know where it's going. Michelle, do you have any predictions? I do. I do. There's going to be a big fight. I don't even know if Moon Knight's going to be in the fight or not because we really haven't seen Moon Knight since episode three. So I hope there's Moon Knight in this show called Moon Knight. That would be great. I didn't time it. I meant to time it. I think we got Moon Knight for like five or ten seconds somewhere in there in this episode. Yeah, we saw the creation of him, but that was it. Okay. I'm going to take the cheap way out in my prediction from last week with the Power Rangers growth fight is just going to be slid into the next episode. All right. So that's our take on Moon Knight Episode 5 Asylum. Next week, hopefully, we will get Episode 6, as I alluded to before. It will air on May the 4th, 2022. And that will be one day before Doctor Strange premieres. So look for more information on that from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. In the meantime, we have some humdingers of some Disney Marvel Studios stories to go through. So I'm excited to go about this. Y'all excited about it? Yep. Oh, yeah. Michelle was so excited. She picked a story that she wanted right away. And it was the same story I wanted. So Michelle gets to talk about it first. Well, Marvel has the next decade of MCU films already planned out, which is impressive because I don't even have the next 10 minutes planned out. So good for them. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige promised that the next 10 years of the MCU has already been planned. During Disney's presentation at CinemaCon 2022, Feige revealed that he had just returned from an in-person retreat with the other heads of Marvel Studios, where the team mapped out what's coming to the big screen in the next decade. Quote, in the next 10 years, with existing characters and new characters and new storytelling pools, with the multiverse, anything can happen, end quote, Feige said. While Marvel Studios is also building out its television offerings on Disney+, Feige promised that its biggest stories would still be hitting theaters. More concrete, but without any firm release date or details, is the arrival of the X-Men in the MCU. Feige has made no secret that the mutants are coming now that Disney owns the film rights to the Marvel characters once controlled by Fox. But there's been no hint as to when they might pop up on the big screen. That said, it seems certain that Patrick Stewart's Professor X is in the multiverse of madness. So the answer to that many more questions about the MCU's future may be right around the corner. A 10-year plan is something that I know that they had announced back when they were doing phases one, two, and three, that at one point Feige had said, oh yeah, we've got everything planned out to about 2024. So I'm not entirely surprised. And given that, as Michelle had indicated, they do now have pretty much everybody under the roof with the exception of the Spider-Man characters, they 
can really go all out in creating uh, vast stories. I'll be very curious to see, though, how they're going to factor in the Fantastic Four. Obviously, I'm looking forward to the X-Men, but the Fantastic Four, I just want a good Fantastic Four movie. It doesn't even have to be great. I'll settle for good at this point. I just want to point out that these statements were made at CinemaCon 2022, which I'd have to go in and take a look, but just because of the name, I would just venture to say that this is about in-theater movie experiences. You're talking about the actual movie industry between the creators and the movie houses. That said, I think that there's a whole bunch on said in this whole thing about Disney Plus and the MCU's plan over the next 10 years to use Disney Plus, either as series, as we've seen short series, or maybe longer series as well. I think the full plan has yet to be told that they came up with, but, and you guys might differ with me, maybe you have more information than I have, but I'm thinking that this was specifically told to movie theaters that we're going to have movies to be shown in your movie theaters for the next 10 years. I just think Anthony's over there twisting the knife, reminding me that they don't have the spider people, because that means my spider one is not probably in their plans, and I don't like that. But we can maybe get a champions and a whole team led by Miss Marvel, so that's cool. I did see some of the information. We're not going to talk about it today. We don't have a specific story about it, but the across the Spider-Verse you know, the 15 minute thing that they showed at the one con or whatever. And they, there's a bunch of information that's starting to come out of that. I think you would be very interested in that because there are certain characters that came out of that, which I will not talk about because I think they're spoilerly, but I think you're going to be very happy with that film when it eventually comes out in 2023. I mean, if it's even half as good as into the spider verse was, then it's going to be pretty amazing. All right. Michelle, 10 years, huh? 10 years. You can't plan that the next 10 minutes. I can't plan out the next 10 seconds. So, I mean, this is a long time for me. I guess they, it's good to know that they have somewhere they're going because they're here. We have we have multiverses. We've got space stuff. We've got Egyptian gods. So I don't know where they're going at the beginning of you know, what I call book one of the MCU, we basically knew, okay, we're getting the Avengers. And then eventually we knew, we know Thanos was coming in this. I, I have no, I have no clue yet. None whatsoever. It's interesting to think that Kevin Feige didn't know when he started putting all these pieces on the board either. So I think he had some sort of idea where the first few years were going anyway, but I don't know about the long term. He did admit he didn't have a long-term plan with the fantastic four and the X-Men, the mutants. Uh, back when Endgame ended, and that had just happened. So he probably had a few ideas, but he needed to flush them out and stuff like that. So just happy that they now have a plan, whatever that plan is. And they could change the plan. No plan has to be perfect for 10 years. You can change it every year, every movie sort of thing. So at least they have an idea of where they want to go. How do you think, though, that they will even mention Chris Evans being Johnny Storm? You know they're going to do some tip of the hat to that, something like Captain America. Hey, you kind of remind me of somebody or something like. You know they're going to do that. I mean, as a writer, you'd at least put it in, whether it makes it into the finale or not. I don't know. There was a whole bunch of talk that they were going to have some sort of a Sherlock comment when 
Tony met Dr. Strange because both Benedict Cumberbatch and Robert Downey Jr. played Sherlock Holmes, but there no such reference ever made it into the either Infinity War or Endgame. So I think that might be a bit too on the nose, even for Marvel. They might have filmed it. You just might not have ever seen it. But wait, they have a Michael B. Jordan Johnny Storm too. All the Johnny Storms. Yep. It'll be interesting to see them all on screen together, if they could ever do that anyway. Well, Anthony, what do we got coming up next in the MCU? So, Hawkeye star Alaco Cox confirmed that principal photography has commenced on the spinoff series Echo. Cox, who plays the show's protagonist, Maya Lopez, posted a picture on Instagram of flowers that she received from Reservation Dogs actor Devery Jacobs, who wished her the best for the first day of filming on April 21st. While this recent update confirms that the production is starting to gain momentum, Marvel Studios and Disney Plus have remained largely tight-lipped about Echo. Little is known about the plot of the series, although Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige previously divulged that Echo will pick up immediately after Hawkeye. Quote, the series will be, we see Maya Lopez go from the end of this series into that series will be the next direct link. So, uh, and arguably the biggest news surrounding Echo is a recent leak that allegedly spoils the inclusion of two major MCU characters in the series. The resume for the show's costume designer, Stacey Caballero, appears to have unwittingly revealed that both Daredevil and Kingpin will return in Echo, even though Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are not officially attached to the production. The other bit of news, which was, I think, important, is that they have received filming permits to film in a couple of small towns in Georgia, and the permits include the scenes or the sets to be devoid of, quote, explosions, gunfire, or big stunts, unquote. So that either means they're doing a lot in post-production, or maybe there's other places where they're actually going to film some action. And I don't know, maybe this will be like a low-key Netflix Defenders series where there's not a lot of action, but even Jessica Jones had some action in all three seasons, so I don't know about that. But at least we see that it is continuing. And if it is filming now, what do you guys think? You're, t- you're talking about a late 2022, early 2023 release on Disney Plus, you think? 2023. Yeah. Early 2023? Early sounds about right. Okay. Uh, yeah, early to mid, I would say. Okay. All right. Well, don't worry. For those listeners, the last few weeks, we found something for Chris to talk about this week. Our Disney Plus special correspondent, as Michelle has named him. Chris, why don't you tell us what's going on in the streaming service? Disney Plus has released a new Daredevil feature with Charlie Cox. Disney Plus is making it known that Charlie Cox's Daredevil is home with the rest of Marvel's star-studded lineup. A new featurette was released online, which I have not had a chance to watch yet, to reintroduce the former Netflix series, which now streams along with the rest of the Defender shows on Disney Plus. In the featurette, which is mostly action clips from the series, actor Charlie Cox talks about who Matt Murdock is as a character and what the show means to him. And I think this is a really good move because if you have somebody who wants to jump straight into whatever they're going to do with Daredevil later, but they either don't have time to watch the entire Daredevil run or they don't want to have their little kids watch the Daredevil run, maybe this is something they can watch instead and be mostly caught up. I think this is really cool because it means that Charlie Cox was brought in specifically to film this with Disney 
so it's not a Netflix thing. It is Disney doing this, and that they're saying, "Okay, Charlie, come on." Because the Defenders was really created around Charlie. I would have to go way back in the archives to find out when all the series were announced. Like, was it just Daredevil, and then they decided to create the Defenders, or did they have this? thought about the defenders from the beginning and that's why they started with daredevil i don't know michelle did you have any remembrance of that it really was i think they were hoping for defenders but they held back on the news to see how daredevil season one did and of course it was blockbusters and then we got the others okay so charlie cox is to the defenders what Stephen amell was over to the arrowverse over on CW because without those two people and their series, their universes would not have been created, basically. So I think this is neat for Charlie Cox to be at least recognized for that on Disney Plus. All right, we do have some feedback. You guys excited about listening to what our audience has to say? Of course. I love our audience. They're great people. I'd hug them if I could. We had a couple of tweets from our audience at Lilpoo Clinical or Jesse the Fan Man on Twitter said, Thanks at Marvel Unlimited for the full library of Moon Knight comics to keep me occupied until next week's episode. Gotta say, love the backstory in this latest one, but would have liked a little bit more action and he tagged us. So that's a reference to the comics. I mean, Anthony, you've read a book or two about Moon Knight. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, there was a lot of backstory, but I do appreciate what Marvel Unlimited is doing with the free comics. Each episode, at least for the first couple, there was a QR code that presented itself to allow folks to gain uh, digital access. So the comics that they have released so far are Werewolf by Night, number 32 and 33, which is his full origin the first ever appearance of Moon Knight in that two-part story. Moon Knight number three for the third episode, which tells the story of the first time that Moon Knight battled Anton Mogart, a.k.a. the Midnight Man. And then Universe X number six, which is an Earth X story that tells a lot of Khonshu and Moon Knight's creation within the Universe X story and universe that uh, also as i'd indicated is where moon knight gets the the rap look on his costume and the one for the comic that was released for episode five is actually moon knight volume one issue one which goes into the full telling of his origin story the creation the battle with bushman etc etc so i really like what they're doing there with the comic releases because it's helping folks get into the backstory and get a better understanding of the character that's one of the great things about the MCUs. You'll be able to go back into whatever run and do some background of it or learn more about the character. I've, that's how, what got me into Marvel Comics is watching the MCU and doing that. Also, we got a tweet from at Mr. Paracletes. Mr. Paracletes said, at Play Comics Cast, you guys talking about Tim Curry movies. And while he isn't the main character, his performance in Stallone's movie Oscar is entirely worth a watch. So, Anthony, if 
at Mr. Paracletes knows Tim Curry from Oscar. You think that's all right? It wouldn't be in my top five picks, but, you know, listen, if you appreciate Tim Curry, it doesn't really matter where you enter his filmography from, as long as you're a fan of his oeuvre and you come to appreciate everything that he's done, it doesn't really matter what the entry point is. As I said on Twitter, with a man who has 240 credits, most of which were fantastic and awesome and stuff like that, you just can't go wrong. It's just picking and choosing, right? I wonder how many know him from the hunt for Red October. That's what I said on Twitter, by the way. It was, it was one of the two movies I said was Hunt for Red October. It had a, a great... I mean, it was definitely an ensemble cast, right? So it was kind of the longest day of the modern era with just a ton of great actors. I mean, even Darth Vader is in there. James Earl Jones. Is that the one that has Sean Connery? Who just is like, I'm Sean Connery. I'm not even going to try a Russian accent. I'm just going to be Sean Connery. Played a Russian submarine captain. It's amazing. Most things in there don't, doesn't react well to bullets. Totally in his normal Scottish accent, not in the Russian accent. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Michelle, what should we do now? Well, we're actually going to steal the afterlife boat and head on out. Anthony, we would be totally lost without you. Thank you so much for taking three wayward people all the way through these five episodes so far. And I'm sure our audience appreciates you as well. If they want to learn more about you, Doc, Moon Knight, any other character, where should they go? Well, they can go to our website, capesinthecouch.com. We recently did a second episode on Moon Knight, so you can check that released i believe last week or the week before and uh, so all of our episodes are available on there we're also on facebook instagram and twitter at capes on the couch and you can find us on every pod chaser except for spotify so just uh, do a search for capes on the couch and there we are and uh, again thank you to sp and michelle and chris it's been uh, a joy uh, chatting with you and i'm definitely looking forward to next week and going in depth on the finale i'd like to thank everyone for watching and listening to us We always appreciate it when you take time out of your day to consume our material. And you can find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. Yes. Taking everybody here who loves the show and with consent shoves it into their friends ear holes. That is the best way to spread the knowledge about our show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to playcomics.com where the latest episode I talked to David, the head of marketing from Vault. You can hear me not destroy his last name because I just couldn't do it. Get it out. It's really hard. But learn a lot about the marketing side of things about comics. And the next couple of weeks are kind of up in the air because we have inventory at work and sometimes real life gets in the way of podcasting. And if you want to talk to us about Moon Knight or anything else Marvel related, you can catch us on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash discord we actually had a pretty interesting discussion in the spoiler channel after this episode dropped about the amazing performance of oscar isaac so you and once again you can find that at gunnageek.com slash discord now until next time where 
we talk about the finale of Moon Knight. Thank you for joining us for our penultimate review of Moon Knight. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm Consultant Anthony. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. 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 Later, Gators. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. There is a cat somewhere in this room. Oh, really? But she's the one who knows how to behave. <laughs> no cat behaves. This one behaves. Mm-hmm. No cat behaves. I left a plate full of chicken here on my desk and she didn't try to eat it. Just waiting until the middle of the podcast. <laughs> Probably. Meow. She's definitely not the one that chews on cords. <sighs> it took me a while to get my cat to not do that. Talking about cords. I should have the rest of my new computer components in the house tomorrow. Wow. Nice. Then I have to build it. Build it and they will come. And not destroy it while I'm building it. That is the goal. Yeah. We'll see how successful I am. Let's pay people to do that. I'm just not. I'm not saying that I couldn't do it. I just don't want to. <laughs> Stand by for a shield debriefing. And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of Shield, a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel. If it's even half as good as Into the Spider Verse was, then it's going to be pretty amazing. All right. Ooh. I'm down here now. That looks different. That's a new space. Yes, it is. Very much a new space, as you can see. Still some painting and spackling to be done over here. It is uh, a work in progress. Nice. So I ordered, I was very excited. I got two 29-inch ultra-wide monitors. Flat monitors not curve and upon installing them i realized this is why people have curved monitors too wide it's a little too wide so what i've actually done is i because i have them on a, a double mount so i banked them in a little bit so that they're angled mm-hmm. because i had them initially on the flat and especially the upper corners I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. <laughs> That's why I did it at work when I had two 27-inch monitors. 
is I put them on my thing and then angled them in a little bit. So it was a slight V in front of me, basically. And that seemed to work out. Right now, I have a 49-inch curved monitor and the two 27 inches on the side. As I think I said before, the 49-inch is actually 1080. So it's like the bottom half of one of the 4K monitors. So I have given up some screen space and to do it. I was forced to take the monitor. This was not an SP idea. I was forced to take the monitor. And it's a lot of radiation screen coming at me, but I've lost some of my ability to get high-resolution stuff up there. But anyway, your setup from this standpoint looks amazing and can't wait to see a reverse angle sometime. Yeah, once it gets all set up and I put the the foam on the wall behind for baffling. I'm actually, hold on a second. I'm going to take my headphones off and run them underneath the desk. So I'm not trying to. Yeah, go ahead. Let's get audacity going and let's go ahead and push record. So I don't get everybody press record. That's a good idea. Boinkies. Boinkies. I'm going to record something. Mute my background music. This time I'm going to record something, not play, but record. Record. My name's Barry Lankin, reminding you that all the world is schlock. Did you know that mute and solo are different? Yes, I did. I just learned that. I did, in fact, know that. I have solo buttons on my board in front of me and mute buttons on my board in front of me because when you mute something but when you press the solo button it goes (laughs) you also have to throw in some squillies in there with the millies you know just to jazz it up a little bit now we have bobblehead Gwen rocking out (gasps) did you get your comics this week I did. None to show us? Um, they're all in the bedroom. Let's see, Haley is reading them right now. She is probably on her way home from the tutoring job that she does. Okay. I will post them in the Discord, though. I won't get my comics until Saturday this week. It was Thursday the last couple of weeks. This week is this Saturday. Okay. This was also the last week of my local comic book shop, by the way, and I was utterly disappointed like I normally. Yeah. I did get my free comic book day books, which I was disappointed in the selection they gave me, but I got them. So, okay. So did they just randomly give you some? Yeah, they they just put them in packs of X amount, I think eight or 10 or something like that. And then just handed it out. They said, yeah, we're only doing it for our file holders. We're not doing it for anything else. I'm like looking around going, that's all you got is file holders. You you don't got anybody else coming in here for comics right now because you don't have any. Yeah, my store limits to three a person on Saturday, but it's I usually end up grabbing everything else I want when I go back in on Wednesday. They had no Spider-Man. You know, Spider-Man number one, the amazing Spider-Man number one. Oh, the beautiful Momoko cover? Yeah, I got that. Yeah. They had, basically, I only got three of the books that were on my poll list. I took them, 
just because I needed one and another one looked like it was good to have too. My daughter, she went to see the Batman movie and then she asked Mm -hmm. me, Hey dad, you have any of those Batman detective comics? The movie's supposed to be based off of that, you know, roughly. Do you have any of those? Because I would like to read them. Do, Do I have any? Let's see. A short box full. Oh, okay. Here you go. Only one. By the way, this is your inheritance too, so don't mess it up. (laughs) And Michelle's going to start off with the MCU plans, and then I'll go to Echo, and then Chris will take his usual Disney Plus stuff. Our Disney Plus correspondent, Agent Chris. Yes, DuckTales is still the best show on Disney Plus. Uh, better than WandaVision? Yes. Alright. Yeah. Like I said, uh, in my Discord server yesterday, that I watched about an hour of the Pat Bat, and I said it's like someone took that episode of DuckTales where they were making the gritty reboot of the Darkwing Duck movie, and they were like, I'm gonna make that, but with Batman. It was like, somebody watched the Nolan trilogy and said, it's good, but I think he smiles too much, and it's not rainy and grimy enough. Gotham looks too clean. Like, I'm only an hour in, but it's like, ooh, boy, they just went hard on the the aesthetic. When I get my Scrooge tattoo, it's probably going to be from this new series. You should get something alliterative tattooed with it. Of course. I'm halfway through season two. Oh, it's so good. Della just came back. God, oh. I sing Della's lullaby to my son pretty much every night I do bedtime. Oh. Yeah. I've yet to watch that episode and not. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And then the end of season two, literally the last like three minutes of the season two finale stunned me in a way that I don't recall being stunned by a TV show of any ilk in quite some time. I'll just say that. Where I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Chris knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What show is this again? DuckTales. DuckTales. Okay. Just making sure. Seriously, the DuckTales reboot. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Also, David Tennant is Scrooge. I know. How did they get him? Because he's actually Scottish. He does a lot of voiceover work for Doctor Who in the audio dramas now and the um, the books. He reads some books and stuff. So, yeah, he's pretty experienced with the audio acting. And Lin-Manuel Miranda as Gizmoduck. I got a cameo from Jaime Camel for my wife because we love Jane the Virgin. And so I was just like, I'm going to get a cameo from Rogelio de la Mega. I was also like, and my son adores you as Don Carnage. Oh, oh my gosh. The City Pirates. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of stuff for the bonus audio this week. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have more than last week or not. We'll see. I don't know that that was possible. You were like, yeah, 28 minutes of bonus audio. I was like, Jesus, that's a whole episode for some shows. Hey, it was all good stuff. All right, Anthony, legal perspective. Okay, so I was thinking about this, and tell me where I'm wrong, because I'm sure I am. 
I was thinking of in terms of writers, right? So uh, a writer writes a great story, 2001, The Expanse, you know, whatever. And then they sell it for the movie rights. And then it becomes a movie. And I wouldn't expect any more royalties or, or funding or anything to come back your way. What makes something like Thor and the comic depiction of Mount Olympus, what makes that different from like a writer that has written a story and then sold it? It's all in the contract. It's all about work for hire versus creator rights. And the unfortunate thing about a working for a company like Marvel, keeping in mind, of course, that I'm in no way a contract attorney. Okay. I, I do estates planning, but yeah, that, that's fair. Yeah. Ultimately comes down to the contract that you sign and a company like Disney slash Marvel has a long, long history of saying whatever you did for us in, you know, this tiny little book, you got paid for, you did your work, you got paid your royalty rates based on that book. If we take it and translate it over to something else, your contract doesn't allow for that. So your SOL, what company like Image Comics was originally intended to do was give the creators rights and royalties behind their characters. And even then, I don't know that they entirely got the money that they could have or should have gotten based on, uh, you know, adaptations and things of that nature. I was just reading, there's another, it's a smaller publisher. It's not even like on the level of like boom image, IDW, etc. that has said that all of their contracts that they sign with their creators specifically indicate that they will be compensated in the event of any adaptations. So if we're taking, you know, you'll get paid on your comics, of course, but if we take it and we sell it to Netflix for a streaming series, or there's a movie or whatever the case may be about it, you will get compensated based on that because it's in the contract when you created your story. So I think it's a situation now where we're hopefully starting to see the tide turn towards paying the creators what they owe because we've seen so many instances clear, unequivocal instances where Marvel, and in some cases DC, take direct panels and use them functionally as storyboards for the movie, and yet the original creators get ugats. That's why I said last week, I was like, oh, Asad Rabich's panels are getting ripped off in this movie. He's going to get a thank you in the credits. Maybe he'll get the invite to the premiere. He's not going to see a dime. Because he drew that for Thor. He didn't make it for the movie. I think I read something that said that they did approach him, or maybe that was somebody else on some other piece of art. They did approach whoever it was to compensate them a little bit more. And they they turned around, whoever it was, turned around and said, no, that's that's a pittance in comparison to what it should be. Yes, I do remember seeing that there was a writer or an artist. Yeah, it wasn't, I think, Asad Rabich, but it was somebody on a recent Marvel release that basically said, Oh yeah, they came to me and they offered me. It was like I don't know, fifteen or fifty thousand or something like that. Yeah, fifteen thousand, fifty thousand, whatever it was. And they were like, "Oh, here's here's a little bit of extra money." And they were like, "Piss off with that, right? Get out of my face with." Probably came from with some other stipulations in the contract and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm sure that oh, you're going to further sign away 
your rights and things of that nature. No, it's it's ridiculous. So like I said, I am fully on the side of the the creators in this because without the creators, I mean, well, you can say without the creators, you know, they wouldn't have the stories, but unfortunately in this situation the media conglomerate they hold the cards because okay you're gonna uphold your principles that's nice we'll just keep going down the line until we find somebody who's willing to take the money and not ask questions yeah capitalism yeah okay well thanks for explaining that i appreciate it yeah that's that's my again my understanding as a non-contract lawyer i hope everybody had a great week we've played a lot of the new kirby game oh pretty good you should try it out well i gotta you know create my new podcast machine slash gaming machine before that happens takes precedence otherwise i'll just be playing the game on an old computer i want to be playing the game on a new computer that is a good point i mean i have the parts so or i will have the parts by then hopefully i don't know something could get lost in shipment I don't know, do you think your new graphics card can handle a Game Boy emulator? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Matter of fact, it might handle it too well. We'll see. I didn't want to go as big as I did, but they were out of the processor that I wanted, and they upselled me, basically, and I was like, hmm, alright, because it was only the combo between the motherboard and the processor. It was only a $90 difference which actually isn't all that much when you're talking about a processor and a motherboard these days, which is really scary. But anyway, I uh, was like, okay, for availability purposes, I'll just go the next step up. I'll get the i9 versus the i7. Yeah, which I'd already convinced myself to go up from the i5 to the i7. By the way, do you guys know how those processors are made? Like the Intel i5, i7, i9? Nope. I've never looked at it. They're made, the i9s are made with 16 cores, and the i7s have 12 cores, and the i5s have 8 or 10 cores, I think it's 8 cores. They're made the exact same. They're all made as i9 processors, and then they go through testing, and the ones that don't successfully complete testing with 16 cores are then made into i7s or i5s. Weird. That's how they do it. Interesting. Instead of throwing them away, they just sell them as less capable processors. That's how they do it. Okay. Wow. So what are the chances that it the testing was bad and you pay for a seven and get a nine? Well, the chip would be disabled for the other cores. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if they work or not. The chips actually they go in with a little lasers or whatever. They I don't know how they do. They just disable them. So you only get twelve. Anyway, the differences between the chips, though, are $200. So the difference between an i5 and an i7 is $200, and the difference between the i7 and the i9 is $200. So it's a total of $400 difference between it. It's just outrageous. Wow. Graphics cards are still the limiting factor, though. Wow. I did some chainsawing last weekend. Ooh. So my, my neighbors all like last year, they paid for a tree service to come in and cut like the lower branches of their uh, trees and whatever. And their trees all got trimmed. And then, so this year I came out, started my chainsaw and then just took them down like a pro. And they all just looked at me like, wait, you have a chainsaw? Wait, you know how to do that? I said, yeah, I've got, you know, family place with 
seven acres up in Wisconsin that's full of trees. Yeah, I know how to do this. Why didn't we know this? It's you guys know that I go up there a few times a year. You guys all know that I go up there and I do. You're like, yeah, but we didn't know you could do that. We would have saved hundreds of dollars by switching your car insurance. No, (laughs) by having you do this. I said, yeah, I've offered to do it in the past for you guys. Matter of fact, I cut down a storm damaged tree for somebody once. They're like, yeah, we just all forgot. And it's like, well, don't forget next time. Like, okay, how much do you charge? Nothing. Like, really? Like, yeah, I don't love using the chainsaw. Make me a pie. Yeah. Yeah. Make me a pie. That'd be great. Well, Anthony, good luck in getting the nursery done and your final training for the Tough Mudder. We'll have to talk about the Tough Mudder sometime because I've never done one, but I'm very jealous of everybody that has. Yeah. I'll, uh, I don't know if you ever saw when I was in my previous office, the row of, uh, headbands. I had in the back. Is that what they give at Tough Mudders instead of like a hat or a medal or a shirt? You yep. give yep. headbands. Yeah, headband. Okay, cool. And uh, <laughs> they're colored depending on how many you've done, and they're numbered. I have many, many, many headbands, and yet I'm pleasantly jealous of the folks that have hundred. I haven't even gotten my uh, my twenty five X yet, and there's folks that have the 100x and i'm like man i wish i wish i could i don't think i could devote enough time matter of fact uh devoting enough time to train for a half marathon is problematic for me there's no way i'm doing a full marathon but half marathon that's and that's really like an hour running a day and then two hours on a saturday and even that is tough for me to fit in yeah i've done 11 halves it's one of my tattoos is hash marks hmm. for the half marathons nice what's been your favorite half i like the superhero half marathon not surprisingly nice where's that it's in uh, morristown new jersey oh okay it's on my birthday weekend typically right around mid-may every year and uh that was the first one that i ever done and so they encourage you to you know dress up as a superhero yeah. and run a half marathon so i did it uh in a captain america hoodie with a, a shield on my back took me like i don't know like two hours and 45 minutes to do it with my sister because i did it on like six weeks notice what's the shield on the sweatshirt or did you run with like a shield strapped to your back no, i ran with a metal shield oh my gosh did that chafe at all what i mean i had the i was wearing the hoodie yeah i know and it was the, the straps were it was pretty loose around the the hoodie so it didn't chafe all that much all right wow i'm impressed I haven't heard of that. I've heard of the Disney one that they do around Epcot. Like they have the Disney princess one that you run around with the tiara or whatever. And they have the Disney, like the challenges, which I've always wanted to do where it's like, Oh, you do like a 5k, a 10k, a half marathon and a full marathon in like a three day time span. And you get like all kinds of no, thank you stuff. No, thank I know those, those pyramid events. I know they exist. I, I no way i mean i could see maybe a 5k 10k maybe half but once again i'm not doing a full marathon so and even the 510 one full yeah it's wow i'm impressed by everybody that can do it really seriously and then the people that do the what do they call it the ultra yeah ultras with like 70 or 100 miles or something like that great i'm just never going to be able to do that i mean my goal for the the toughest is to do 
uh, 30 miles, but that's in 12 hours. Um, that's my A goal. My B goal is 25. My C goal is 20 because I did 20 last year. I'm hoping that I can I can do 30. I get the patch. Yeah. I don't know if that gets me contender status or not for worlds. Not like I'm going to use it, but would you if you did 30? What kind of pace do you think you'd do that? So the first hour is called the sprint hour, and it's so it's a five mile loop. Okay. And it's just, so that's the whole thing. It's, it's a five mile loop and you just do as many loops as you can in the 12 hours. Okay. The first hour is called the sprint hour and there's no obstacles. You just run the five miles and the goal is in theory to do, you know, you try to get one lap in. If you're ridiculously fast, you can get two. You know, I'm not fast enough to to get two laps in, but I can definitely get one in. And so then from there, I have 11 hours to do 25 miles, which is roughly two hours per lap. I mean, normal running just on trails and whatnot. I'm currently at like a uh, over for like 10 for five miles. I can do it probably at like a 10, 10, 15 pace over five miles that of course isn't factoring the obstacles which are obviously going to eat up time and and walking and so on and so forth so there's a decent chance i can get that 30 miles in because like i said the first five will be easy well relative to the rest of the event yeah last fall i ran the half marathon in 10 9 30 miles nine minute 30 second miles that's okay. about my limit, as old as I am and everything. My PR is 212. Two hours and 12 oh, okay. minutes is my PR for the half. But with, with obstacles or just a normal No, half? no, no. Just, just like a half. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've never been able to crack 210. That's always been my goal. You know, guys, tonight is the NFL draft, right? So I know not everybody here is football fans, but if you were the GM of the team that had the number one pick in this year's NFL draft, which MCU superhero character would you choose? Well, as a Panthers fan whose team just selected what I'm hoping is our franchise left tackle for the next decade, because it's a position we've long needed some stability at, I would be looking for a left tackle. And so for someone with size and speed and a bit of aggression to say nothing of strength i would say maybe a luke cage i think would make a a good left tackle i thought you were gonna say hulk so yeah luke cage good pick good pick as a falcons fan we need everything i i honestly don't know i know this is a weak quarterback draft class so normally I would be thinking quarterbacks. So Captain America seems like a good leader. There you go. Gosh, the Colts need everything as well. I would say I'm thinking, I'm thinking because Captain America's a good voice. But I want She-Hawk on my team. There you go. There you go. I pick Captain Marvel. Big surprise. All right, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Dos verdon, your lads.
Oh, good way. Good, good one. Good one. Oh, God. Great show, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh. Daredevil Plus has released a new. Yeah, Daredevil Plus. That would be a great channel, actually. All right. Good night, y'all. Night. I'll, uh, night. I'll get my, my audio up Have shortly. Good night, everyone. Yep. Thanks. I appreciate that. See y'all next week. Yep. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.